Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi guys, Cody Davis here, 10-0 undefeated professional boxer from Wales. Just finished my podcast with Ace Podcast Nation. Subscribe at youtube.com forward slash Ace Podcast Nation for the best content on all the Welsh boxing shows, all Welsh sport and Welsh boxing and sport in general. All the best. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 52. We are hurtling along, and uh, joining us this evening to talk a bit of MMA is, as usual, first of all, former Cage Warriors champion, legend of the UK MMA scene. It is Mr. Danny Batten. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Yeah, you are, Sai. It's Jack and Richard. Uh, good to have you guys on. Indeed. So we have not one, but two guests this evening. First of all, we have uh, UFC bantamweight, and in my opinion, future UFC champion, Mr. Jack Tankshaw. Welcome, Jack. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry, all good. Uh, but, uh, well, I'll be better if I had a fight two weeks ago, but I'm all right. I know. I was gutted. Well, I was gutted, so imagine how you feel. Um, and of course, as well, we have... One of the best coaches in the UK MMA, if not the world, is none other than Mr. Richard Shaw. Welcome, Richard. How are you, mate? All good, sir. Thanks for having us back on, mate. Indeed. I'm very glad to have both of you back, of course, and both at the same time. It's even better. I like uh, varies it up a bit. 
two guests. So we are going to change uh, change up the format a little bit. We're going to, uh, instead of going match by match, uh, fight by fight, and kind of going into loads of detail, we're going to have a good long chat with Jack and Richard, and uh, and then me and Danny will go into a bit of detail after uh, after they chip off, because they're very busy. Um, so where I'd like to start, guys, is what was 2020 like for Jack Shaw? Would, would you count it as a, a good year, a bad year? What, how are you feeling about it? Um, 50-50. It was, it could, have, it could have been a lot better, but I thought it could have been a lot worse. Um, obviously, I was meant to fight in uh, March. That got uh, obviously pulled when the, the lockdown first came into effect with um, COVID-19. And to be honest, at that stage, I think um, me and, and a lot of the British fighters sort of thought the year was going to be a write-off because obviously we didn't know how serious or, or how serious this sort of lockdown and the pandemic was going to be. We didn't know if we'd be able to travel. Uh, we didn't know if there'd be any US events going on. Um, so yeah, we didn't know if the gyms would be open. And, and obviously, it was, it was all in you know, all was what. I'm not to fight on um, Fight Island. So that, that was a good positive for the youth. Um, you know, I had a fight up there, a good win, unbelievable experience with, um, with obviously being in the bubble on Fight Island and, and experiencing, you know, the fight with no crowd and obviously fighting in the mix of a, of a global pandemic is, is one to look back on. And then obviously the new went a little bit sour again towards the end. We had to fight in Vegas in November, which again would have been uh, another big um, landmark for me and the team. And then obviously that one got cancelled. So, like I said, it, it could have been it could have been worse, but it also could have been a lot better. I mean, looking back, it hasn't been a, a great year in the sense of fighting and, and, and training. But there's been plenty of positives, I suppose, outside of the sport that I can focus on. So. Yeah, Richard, how do, how do you feel as uh, as his head coach as well as his father? Like it's been a it's been a weird one, haven't it, with the pandemic and everything? It, you... it, it's it's been a weird one. I mean, Jack, Brad, and Marshman really been fortunate that um, there's still been events put on that, that, that they can go and compete on. You know. Um, I feel more sorry, if I'm honest, for, for, for the amateur team. You know, the amateurs have gone 12 months now. They've lost a year without any sort of competition. Um, and Jack, I agree with you on this. We've got a team of youngsters coming through, which, you know, we'd have probably had four, five, six, six pounds each per, you know, for the last four months. Um, so they set their back a little bit. We've got a bit of catching up to do. But, you know, as Jack says, there's been positives. We managed to get the elite level status in place. So, you know, the pros and the high-level amateurs have managed to get some consistent quality training in. Um, what, you know, I think just 2020, we're going to have to write it off, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, no, nobody, you know, we, we opened the gym up bloody a year ago, last November, and everything was flying. January, February, March was brilliant. And then all of a sudden, wallet, we closed down for four months. You can't travel, you, you can't train, you can't open the gym. But, you know, we, we've come away, Jackson, Jackson managed to get one fight then. Um, I think Brett, Brett Johnson has had two, hasn't he? Jack, has he had two? He had one, yeah. two. Marshman ended up fighting the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, what, what we do, guys, is out of our hands. It's out of our hands. We just have to make the, the best of a bad situation. I mean, our Jack has had disappointment after disappointment. You know, we had a, a, 
uh, a good result out in Abu Dhabi, but we obviously had the, the London card was a big one for us. We were really looking forward to that. That would have been the second fight, first fight on, on home soil. And I think um, with a crowd, you know, particularly after the way the, the ice arena atmosphere is working, we'd have seen something special with him walking out in London. But then, unfortunately, we still have to wait, I think, until uh, this pandemic is done one and we can get some, some, some people in the, in the arenas and some spectators back under under closed rules. But no, it's 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 been a bad year, but we've made the best of a bad situation. You know, like I said, the elite guys have managed to get some quality training in. And I think next year, um, when I do release the amateurs, you'll see some some really high level guys because they've had a twelve month to get better, you know, we'll try to take the positives out of it. Mm. Yeah, I was looking forward to that London show. I um was hoping we might see Jack coming out to a bit of Oasis again. But uh, not enough fighters, in my opinion, coming out to Oasis these days. So that's, another, that's another story. Um, like me and Daddy were speaking, talking about um, Jack. I think probably three episodes ago, so like three weeks ago, we were talking because obviously at that point your fight was still on, and we were kind of speculating on some of the guys that we'd like to see you fight, you know, over the next year or so. And we, uh, we, I think we came to the conclusion we'd like to see you fight some legends, wasn't it, Dan? Um, oh yeah. Have Jack Shaw become the legend killer and just go uh, fight some some of the big the big names who are perhaps you know a bit lower down the rankings now for whatever reason. Um, but some of the divisions in the UFC are insane, and the bantamweight is one of those divisions. Like the the talent pool is so deep. Is is do you find that's what I was going to ask you, Jack? It's from the outside. It seems like a lot of people don't want to fight you, so you have a lot of trouble getting opponents. Is that a fair fair comment, like? Yeah, I think, I mean, not, I don't like this so much uh, that they stayed or anything like that, but I'm in a bit of a, a tricky spot where I'm not, I'm not currently ranked at the minute then, so anyone sort of with a ranking next to their name, or anyone who's on the verge of being ranked, they're probably not going to be in an area to fight me, because you know, although despite not being ranked and, and not being trapped such a big name in the UFC, it's, it's, it's obviously a potential fight we could lose. You know, we only got to look at my sort of style of my record to see that I'm, I'm you know, in with a shout of beating anyone in the division. So it's as if the, the guys in front of me are not going to, you know, rush to fight me because they're not going to give up that spot and that position, you know, in the tough fight. And then on the flip side, I think the people that are on the same sort of middle level as me are not going to rush to fight you because if they move to me, it puts them back a couple of steps. So it's a tough one at the minute. Um, obviously, the division is stacked. I mean, every, every show every show I watch at the minute, there seems to be a bantamweight fight um, with a guy that I've never knew. of. when you watch it, you think, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a tasty guy and you know, he's going to be one for the people that we might end up... Um, you know, coming at the at the crossroads with, but um, you know, if you're in the UFC at the end of the day, I think it, it comes to a point where you've got to be prepared to fight anyone. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't think that anyone sort of has that mindset. But you know, mm-hmm. now in the new year, the uh, the matchmakers can start putting a little bit of pressure on guys. You know, because in most times, you know, we've been offered a name, and then four or five days later, the contract still hasn't come through, and next thing you know, there's an excuse. It's like, well. You know, what has changed in the, in the four or five days? Like, surely they wouldn't offer you the name in the first place if the guy wasn't available. Like, I, you've never ever turned down a fight or you know been offered a fight and, and, and gone back and said, "Well, oh, I don't know about that." You know, every single time, whether it's a fight or you think it's 
very vulnerable at the point that we think is going to be a tough one. We never ever said no, or never even really contemplated saying no. You know, we just we just accepted it and and, and, and sort of gone on with the mindset of we'll find a way to win. But unfortunately, that that hasn't gone tenfold. Like, like I can probably count five, six, seven guys over, over the space of well, I've had two fights in the UFC and two cancelled, so over four fights or four potential fights. And count probably six, seven names that we've been offered that, that we haven't ended up signing the contract for. So, you know, it's one of them. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um, new names there. Um, Danny, we've talked, you know, about the one thing which has come out of this year for the UFC is you've seen some, some new names coming through and really impressing. Um, and obviously one of the sort of big news stories over the last week or so has been Leon Edwards versus uh, Chemaev, who's obviously one of those names who's come in, come in and torn it up. Uh, that fight's postponed for the time being. I think, uh, is it Leon Edwards has got COVID or he tested positive COVID, I think. Um, I know we were looking forward to that one, Danny. You, you know, tell us a bit about your disappointment around that fight being off and also how you think that fight might go when it gets rescheduled. Uh, I think it's going to be fireworks. You know, I really rate Leon Edwards. I've always said in the previous podcast how I feel that he hasn't got the attention he deserves. You know, this mm. guy, he's, he's got some serious credentials to his name and and it's just not been put up into the mix as much as I felt that he should have. And this guy will not shy away from someone, Gemma. He'll take it to him. He's not going to be backing off. He's, he's not going to be shy at those takedown attempts. We've seen him stuff many good wrestlers' take, takedowns and um, aggressive to strike. And so I think, regards to the fight, I think it's a great matchup. I think it'll be a good fight. Um, you know, I think it's really, really hard to predict who's actually going to win through with that because we've not seen Gemma uh, tested at this stage. But yeah, gutted that it's not going to go ahead. But the good thing is, it's still to come. So. You know, mm. we just gotta gotta get it to happen. It won't happen until next year now. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, gutting, but it's you know, disappointment is something that we're all getting used to now. Regards this COVID, keep interrupting things. Disappointment with us being able to train regularly over here and in, in other countries with our gyms, and disappointment where fights get called off as they're approaching because people are getting infected. But you know, things move on, and we're seeing new blood come through. I think with Jack's situation. Um, I just think, you know, just sit in there tight because some of these fighters are itching to get to get fighting. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they don't get paid unless they're getting fights. So, I, you know, something will come through for you for sure because uh, they don't want to sit on the sidelines for too long. Everyone wants to get their cage time in. And, um, you know, your time's going to come. And the good thing is you've got age on your side. So, you know, you can, you can just wait out. These are, a lot of these other guys ain't getting any younger. But, um, yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with what Cy was saying as well about your career. I'd love to see you take out, you know, um, these legends that are past their peak, but nevertheless, they're legends, nevertheless, and to try and get a notch on your on your bedpost, so to speak, um, trying to take out one of those top names, I think it'd be great for you, and I think you're truly capable of um, taking what, what, some what of those top scouts out. What names did you see, Dan, like the other week? What, what, what names did you I'd, guys think of? I'd love him to fight someone like Aldo. Yeah, that, was, that was the one. Well, this, that was the one. Superb. Yeah, Uriah I mean, Faber. Yeah, yeah, another good one for the mix. I think these will be superb. I mean, they're not what they used to be, but they can still beat people in the top ten. And uh, but I, I just think you've got the game to to stifle them. I think you've got the the youth on your side, the the tenacity, the hunger, and um, and and I think then um, everything will open up to you. Regards other fighters 
being willing to take you on. Um, but yeah, it will all come come good for you. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think um, the three which we kind of came to was um, Aldo, Uriah Faber, and I think it was, um, who else was it? I can't remember who the, the third one was. It'll come to me in a minute. Um, but obviously, uh, Rich, you and Jack were out in uh, Fight Island when uh, Chemaev came onto the scene. He obviously fought John, um, and then he fought Reese McKee on short notice, which I thought was... I thought that was brutal for Reese to come in and make his debut, yeah. um, you know, on short notice against a fighter like that. But you know, it's going to take that opportunity. Any fighter is going to take that opportunity to make their UFC debut if they're offered it. But um, what was he like up close, uh, Chumayev, as a fighter? Do you think? Um, I, I think he's a massive talent, and um, but but again, we, we we can't get too carried away. I mean, he, he's beaten you know three solid guys, but. Nobody really this top fifteen. Leon would have been an absolute marker for him. I mean, if he if he got through Leon Edwards, you could say, yeah, he's he's legit, he's a real deal. Um you know, I, I've watched him and I, I genuinely do think that we're gonna see something special come through. But at the same time, we were saying the same thing about Johnny Walker two years ago when he came on the scene, starting locking yeah. everybody out and people were using his name to say he was gonna be the guy to beat John Jones. You know, oh, then yeah. over a period of twelve months he, he he's lost a couple of bouts. So until he fights that, that you know, that upper-tier level fight, then it's going to be difficult really for us to put a marker on him. Um, stylistically, he's fought three guys which suits his styles. You know, I think Reese and John will be the first to say probably wrestling is on their strongest point. Um, same was last fight, you know, the, uh, how do you pronounce his name? How do you pronounce his surname? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's a decent grappler, but he's not, you know, he's not a, a great wrestler. So it'd be interesting to see him against someone like Leon, who's a very, very good level striker, good wrestling defence, um, you know, and I think a win for either guy really would have put him in the title picture, because I think with the height that's coming with the old wolf, I think if uh, Leon had seen him off, I think Davis' hands would have been tied, he'd have had to give him that next title fight, you know. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how he gets on against one of the top five guys, you know, but at, at the moment, I think the way he's shifting up and down the weights, and we have a laugh and a joke with some of the guys at the... Uh, Hello, Jim. But, but I, I do believe he's capable of possibly becoming like a three-weight champion. He's he's that good. Mm. Be interesting. What, um, Jack, what did John uh, Phillips like say about him facing him? What, is there anything which stood out about him? From about- um, I haven't really spoken to John, obviously, about, specifically about the fight. But, I mean, it was just, it was just evident to see how, how high level, not just his wrestling, but you know, he's that typical sort of Russian MMA grappler as well, you know. Hit the top position, wasn't interested in Jason Stubbs, was happy to, and you've seen that against Reese as well, was happy to just, you know, very, very Khabib-esque in the sense of he's happy to, to not just hold on to you, but to, to secure position and really go to work with his punches and almost sort of, you know, almost sort of torture you in a sense. You know, there was times where there was probably submissions he could have got, but he, he was just happy to, in position and, and obviously work away and I mean I, I saw him in person um, after the fight up at the pool um, my old man and, and Carl was in bed and I, I couldn't sleep I went to the pool I think it was like 7 o'clock in the morning and he was up there with um, I'm assuming this is your friend but um, he's, a, he's a monster of a bloke you know, he, he's massive um, and at welterweight I think he's probably even I mean look big for, for middleweight so at welterweight you know he's even bigger again so mm. Like we said, I know we have a, we have a mess about with the boys and, and saying we're all aboard the hype train, but yeah, you know he's talking in interviews about fighting at heavyweight, like the heavyweight, and, and I think 
all that sort of mentality. I mean, he's not just saying it, he'll fight anyone sort of anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he gets to Leon, who's obviously an elite, elite level guy, he probably should have fought for the belt already. If he gets to Leon, then he lets us know sort of where he sits. And if he gets to him, I wouldn't be surprised to see him fighting for the belt next. On the flip side, if, if Leon beats him, although he's not, you know, top 10 ranked, he's just taking all the hype and he's going to probably kind of push him into the, the title picture. So it's, it would have been a good fight. So hopefully they get out and rebook, um, you know, early next year so we can actually see it, you know. But then again, now both his next year probably fight twice again now before, the, before they book him against Leon. Yeah, I was going to say, I, he said... Um... So on social media, I think it was like that he wants, you know, just because that fight's postponed, he still wants to fight on that card or yeah. you know, around that time. So wouldn't be surprised to see him fight again. One thing I was very surprised to see uh, today or yesterday was uh, Yoel Romero released from the UFC, been there for seven years. He hasn't been on the best of runs, but um, quite a big name, Dan, to release. Um, <clears throat> Pretty much out of the blue, but Dana White said that it is one of sixty releases which are coming. So it seems like they're going to trim the roster a little bit. Yeah, I think it's um, becoming more and more evident. The UFC's for the younger younger blood predominantly. And mm. you know, he's he's had his time, but is he? He's in his 40s, 40, isn't he? 43 years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. And you know, when you see the likes of Anderson Silver and his last performance and stuff and it really isn't a place for for 40 plus year olds i mean you do get your oddities i get that but you know and i'm not surprised um i've got to go because the, the guy is still capable and you know he could still put up some good performances but you know ufc is all about having top tier talent and that comes with a bit of youth in your system as well so yeah i am not i'm not against it he'll probably go bellator now well, I don't know. I, I like, like I like I've been saying. I think feel like a broken record, but I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. I really want hope in the Bellator when they signed um, like Brett and they've signed uh, oh, I forget his name, Namega Madoff, um, and a few others. That maybe they're changing their outlook and going for some younger guys and some uh, instead of these kind of. I couldn't believe that um, Rampage Jackson is still in their rankings. So that was that was enough for me, but. Um, oh, speaking of Brett, uh, Brett's on with us next week. But um, Richard, obviously, you guys are close to um, Brett. Was that a, a tough decision for him to to leave the UFC and go to Bellator? No, it was a financial decision more than anything. I mean, um, he was three three wins, one loss in his last four fights on the contract. So he went, you know, the US did offer him a new contract, but. Um, you know, we tested his, free, his freedom of contract, and to be fair, you know, Bellator have come in and, and have offered him double what the UFC did. So, you know, it's it, it's a life-changing contract for the kid. Um, he's still young enough to, to see this contract. I know he'll still have a place back in the UFC down in the future. Because I genuinely believe that he will become the Bellator world champion within the next 18 months. He's, he's that good. Until, um, you know, we, we've, we've trained with Brett on and off, but since he's come and started working with us full-time for the last 12 months, um, you, you do really appreciate when you're working up close and just, just the level he's at. And uh, we've had a good look through that Bellator roster um, and there's nobody there that we, we don't genuinely believe we could beat. So, you know, he, he signed uh, a multi-fight deal. Um, financially, it's, it's, it's fantastic for him. But I also think career-wise, I think uh, it's there on a plate for him, you know, to, to get his head down and become, you know, 2000, 
even in 2021, I think we'll see him fighting for a title and putting that belt around his waist. I'm so glad you said that, Richard. You know why? Because last week, uh, when me and Danny were discussing this with uh, Josh, uh, Crazy Oz Reed, um, I said pretty much that word for word that I thought Brett was going to be a uh, Bellator champion within sort of 18 months. So that means that I know as much about MMA as you. So that has, that's fantastic. That's all I need to know. Um, so moving on to uh, last night. Um, Jack, do you enjoy the show overall? Yeah, it was um, it was another one of them ones. I think it was a bit of a sleeper card. We apart from the main event and obviously uh, OSP and the the coming, it wasn't too many big standout names that, that you sort of that really jumped off the off the card. But they always tend to be the most exciting ones. And um, I think pretty much every fight apart from the main event, uh, which ended up being a fight tonight, was uh, was a finish. So you can't ever complain at a show like that. And it's always good to see. The strength and depth as well as the division. Um, there was a couple of guys you looked at. Like, I'm a big fan of the sport as well, and obviously a fighter. So when when you see guys coming through and all ranked, uh, putting on big performances like that, you know you start to, to get excited about who they could possibly be up, be up against now. That they're going to push them further up the rankings. So yeah, overall it was, a, it was a good show. Yeah, anything stand out for you, uh, Richard, on last on the card last night? Yeah, yeah the undercard. Um... Uh, Tapiria I thought was very good on there um, and it's really, we, we've obviously known about him since Cage Warrior because he was scheduled to fight Jack um, at one time for the title but he, he couldn't make the back weight limit he moved up to featherweight um, but I, th- I thought he looked really good he showed another part of his game his boxing was outstanding um, I think he's going to be uh, a tough fight for most of those guys in the 145 division um, and the lad that beat OSP I think he's going to be a problem for anybody at light heavyweight um, Jared, I watched his last couple of fights, and um, I, I think he's going to be an exceptional fighter, to be honest. The main event was was brilliant as well. Um, I thought it was all over in the first round, but you know Jack came back, showed with resilience. But uh, I, I scored it four rounds to one, so it was quite quite a, a convincing win. You know, when I think the lad stepped in, the, the, uh, was it a week's notice? Yeah. You know, if it, you know, hats off to him. He's he's, he's throwing his uh, throwing his hat in the in the ring for a title fight now. I think. Yeah, he couldn't. He's, he's lost, lost. He lost ways. He went already, haven't he? As well, that's one of his losses early on. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The thing is, as well, is like you say, he came in on short notice, and without finishing the fight, it was about as sort of good, dominant a performance as you could put on. It's really entertaining fight. But um, I'm a big fan of uh, Marvin Vittorio. Just enjoy the way he goes about his business. And uh, I've always, you know, anyone who takes a fight against, you know, Jack Hermanson. He's a very, very good fighter. So to take that on, not very much notice, is uh, shows the confidence he's got in himself. And I thought it was very, very impressive. Danny, what did you think of just the overall card, mate? Yeah, I liked it. Um, you've got to see a mix of everything. You, you know, you've got that knockout with the takedown. Um, you know, which is oh unusual yeah, to slam, see. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, really brilliant. unusual to see that sort of thing. We had some great ground exchanges. Um, you know, with that John Allen and that Roman character, um, great ground exchanges. You know, someone going for for leg locks, which you know, don't see a great deal of in UFC, but um, yeah. you are seeing more of it now. It's definitely going to start establishing its, its place in the MMA arena, and so that was kind of good to see. And yeah, we had a great striking match with uh, Hamanson 
and, and Vittori. And you've got to give it to Jack Hanson. I mean, he, he's the one that really made it a fight because he could have been all over in that first round. Absolutely yeah. brutal, Richard. It looked like he was going to be done, but he really turned it on. He, he really wanted to win this, uh, and, and that was good to see. But fair play to Vittori. I, I actually thought Vittori was going to fade as the rounds went on because that's what we've seen in the past. And that's kind of why I sort of like bet against, against him a little bit. Um, you know, Hamanson's really good on the old cardio. He's always uh, coming in in good shape. And it looked like it was going to start switching um, come round three. But now Vittori, he stepped it up a, again. And um, yeah, he's proved himself to be right up there in the mix. And yeah, he's going to be contending very, very shortly, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. It, um, so just to switch gears again, just to get a bit of everything. Um, We've been talking a lot about Cage Warriors recently, ever since the trilogy, the first trilogy. Um, it's just been, I feel like they, that, that trilogy show, the first one, was so good. Every single fight was enjoyable. You saw some, some good names, some people cement their names at the top of various divisions. Um, so I'm kind of interested to hear if you guys you know, caught much of that. And, and also, obviously, you've got a, a fighter coming up uh, on the next one. And we'll get your predictions for some fights as well, which we've been doing with the various guests. Jack, did you watch the the initial trilogy? I know Oban fought, obviously fought on it. Did you catch much of the other fights? Yeah, I watched on Oban's card. And what was the main event on the Saturday? I'm trying to think. It was Mason. Um, Mason. Yeah, Mason. And I watched that card as well. And um, just top shows, obviously, from, from the Thursday right the way through to the Saturday. Every single fight was a, was a match. Well, a well matched fight. There was no gimme fights, no no record padders, and, and that's what we just. To be honest, that's what we come to expect now of Cage Warriors for a long time. Uh, if you want to fight in Cage Warriors, you know if, if you can get in the top of the division, you've earned your spot. Then you've earned your spot, and you take it to the UFC because you know you're not you're not given any easy fights. You're going to be playing here with, with high level guys from not just the UK, but also all over Europe as well, and. Um, the, the last show, there was some really exciting fights on to being pushed Mason on to, um, to his UFC contract as well. A really big performance from him. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, the next weekend now, obviously, with Josh fighting as well. But, but the, all three cards, you know, the, it keeps them, it keeps me happy. But obviously, you know, the misses end to happy with three nights. <laughs> not back, back, back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that only too well. Um, Richard, what did you think of the initial uh, trilogy, first of all? Yeah, so, you know, as Jack said, it's what you come to expect. I think, I think they've got the best matchmaker in the world in the end. I think his knowledge of the of the sport, and I've had this conversation before with people where you often look at a fight and you think, oh, I'm not fussed on them. When you actually watch it, you think, yeah, Ian spotted something in that that the rest of us didn't, and it turns out to be a great fight. But, um, you know, just being part of it as well, you know, that's off the boiling and steam. It, it, was, it was run, you know, so smoothly. Um, the bubble was never broken. The testing, the way they done it, it, it was, you know, as safe as it could possibly be. Obviously, they had a couple of guys pull out because that's the nature of the, the current climate we're in with the, the testing. Um, but they still pulled off three three brilliant cards, and I think um, there's some tasty fights coming up. The, the one for me that I'm really looking forward to is the flyweight title chance against Hadley. I think that um, is a really really interesting fight. Uh, it's a 50-50 fight as well, really. Sally's come through, and I think he's looked brilliant. But um, you know, Shanks in his uh, fight to win the title was absolutely dominant as well. You know, since he's been up with James Doolan, he's been doing brilliant things. So that one for me is the one that's really standing out. The one I'm looking forward to the most. 
yeah so i well you've set me up beautifully there so i'll take that uh, i'm going to just pull out some of the fights and i'm going to ask you both for your, your predictions of which way you think it's going to go if you want to say how you would think it's going to go you're more than welcome as well um so the first one is uh luke shanks versus jake Hadley uh for the flyweight title which way do you see that one going jack uh i really uh, really rate jake Hadley. um i i've known about him for a long time even since uh, before his cage orders fight um he went out to the efc show i think it's in south africa and he fought a guy um Zulu is name. I'm not sure if he's from there, but he fought Zulu, who had been on the other fight there. Uh, I think he was a training partner of either, it was either Mighty Mouse or Andy Cejudo. I can't remember which one, but he was, he was a training partner there. And one of them had brought him into the camp for a couple of months. And he went out there, I think, 3 0, uh, and fought for the EFC, EFC World title and, and just dominated the fight from start to finish. Then he went to Bellator and beat um, oh, the Irish kid, I can't remember. Blaine, Blaine O'Driscoll, who again. He's, uh, was going to fight for the Kings Warriors belt as for, for, for you know some big shows and some big fights and, and put him away as well. So I knew, I knew obviously when Kings Warriors signed him, it, it was a big, big, big signing. And then to, to take out Sajak, who is like probably arguably, if you ask me, yeah. probably the best at the time. I would have said he was the best flyweight in, in Britain, and just minced him, just just made it look easy, too strong, too powerful, um, and, and too technical, and. Uh, so I'm, I'm big on him, and I think if he beats Chance, I think there's he's a, he's a very high chance of seeing him in the UFC then next year. Yeah, I think yeah, the winner of that fight will get a contract. Either Chance or Ali, I think. Whoever wins will get a contract. Yeah, they were both super impressive in different ways, weren't they, on the um, on the last trilogy. Like, Luke dominated from start to finish all, all five rounds, and obviously Jake made uh, quick work of his fight. Um one of the other fights I wanted to ask you about, uh, Richard, was uh, Jordan Vucinets' fight, which is I think is on a Saturday. So look, where's he gone? Apologies. Um, well, yeah. So uh, Jordan Vucinic is fighting Paul Hughes. Paul Hughes on yeah. uh, on the Saturday card. Paul Hughes will win. I'm a big fan of Paul. I think Paul's going to be going to be a massive name in the sport. Um, he's very young, really well rounded, from a really good gym over there. Um, in Northern Ireland, I, I think he wins. I think he can stop him. I'm going to predict stopping. Oh, Danny's head's going to explode now. <laughs> what, what do you say to that, Danny? What do you say to that? Uh, let's watch this place and see what happens. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, I just think one of the advantages that are going to show through is the fact that Jordan's a, a bigger guy. And I think that's where it'll be told where things are going to be different. I just think they, they do things very, very similarly. Um, in, in each area, but I just think Jordan's just just more of an athlete, more of the, the, the bigger featherweight, and um, yeah, bigger featherweight. So uh, yeah, let's see what happens. I, I just don't think uh, Hughes has competed against someone that's both strong, athletic, and and skilled. And um, some of the wins that I've seen that he has um, have had, like where he's taken some of the guys back. So, you know, it wasn't a case of him taking the back; they they gave him the back, and those kind of things you, you won't. Have that kind of luxury against someone like Jordan. So let's say it's going to be a great, great one. I mean, I'm going to be well, obviously watching it with interest because it's my my own student fighting. But um, more than anything else, as well, alongside that is I'm just going to sit back and enjoy watching it for the fight that it is, which is a great one. It's a really, really good matchup. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. That's that and uh, a couple of others. I just cannot wait. Jack, what do you um, think on that one? You've seen the. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, this is a very good fight. Um, 
again, I'm, I'm very big on on Paul Hughes. I, I I've seen I've watched him for a good couple of years now, even before he came to Cage Warriors. Um, you know, good all rounder, very mentally strong as well. I think he, he, I think he's one of those guys who sort of believes he can't be beat. Um, but but obviously in a good way, you know, not not in a sort of arrogant cocky way, but more in a way of he's just very mentally strong. But definitely is um his toughest fight. Uh, Danny had a good point with Jordan's a big guy for the week. Um, very athletic, so it'll be interesting to see if that factors in. Um, but I am going to go with a prediction of a of a Paul Hughes win. But uh, if if Jordan proves us wrong, we will happily come back on and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, eat our words and sure. I'm going to say credit to, to both lads as well because they, they're both at that stage of the career where they both got aspirations of being in the UFC and they are easier fights out there for both boys. So. You know, it's one of those bouts where you win and not die the camp for turning it down. So fair, fair play to both, you know. It's a, it's a definite um, number one contender fight. Like I, I think, yeah, I think if whoever Obviously, wins, I should have the title shot next. You've got a, you've got a good win fight in Morgan Chapa. I think if if Morgan Chapa wins, you'll probably move on to the UFC. Obviously, if, if Perry wins, I think you'll probably need one or, one or two more. So, um, I, regardless, the, the winner will, will fight the winner of that fight for the belt, you know. Yeah, I think so. And it's, I, like I say, I cannot wait for that fight. Um, sorry, yeah, Richard, I didn't get your prediction, did I, for, for Shanks and Hadley? Hadley. Um, I think I think Hadley will win it. It'll be a close fight. It'll, it'll either be Hadley by stoppage or Shanks by decision. It's one of those types of fights. You know what I mean? I think it, it, yeah. It's, it's an investment. It's a real, honestly, it's one of them ones. It's not often I'm sat on the fence, but I am sat on the fence with this one because... I just think the the part of both lads is such, but as Jack said, um, he's you know he's he's looked something special in his last couple of bouts. He have seen title fight not, you know, he looked outstanding against Shaq, you know. And as Jack said, Shaq's beaten. I know firsthand I've cornered Edwards and Martin McDonald against him, so I know the level that kid's at. Um, he's beaten Ronnie Mann. He went up a weight and beat Ronnie Mann, and for him to finish him the way he did, I thought was outstanding. So yeah, I think Jake could uh, come away with that. And um. Another one which I'm very interested in is uh, Ben Ellis versus uh, Kingsley Crawford. Uh, Jack, how do you see that one going, mate? Um, if I'm, I don't, I haven't watched too much of Kingsley Crawford. I know he's, a, he's got the experience on Ben. Um, I think he's what he five and two and or six and two, something like that. Um, I, I, I'm still trying to pull, like, I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember how he went or what his sort of style is. But um, obviously, Ben has showed a lot of um, a lot of good. You know, for a guy who's three and zero, a lot of good techniques, a lot of good sort of skills, despite only being three and zero. And he's one of those guys again who's got the, you know, the the depth of an amateur record, seven or eight fights, I think he had. So it, again, it's one of those. I think whoever wins it, obviously, he's not going to put him in, in title contention, but he's going to give him that right to move up the ladder. I think if, if Kingsley wins, it puts him in the mix, and if Ben wins, I think he moves it to four and zero, and people are going to start talking about him a little bit more. fights 
So yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a close one, but you know, obviously we always look for the for the Welsh boys and more Welsh boys winning the better for uh, for the sporting world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know Ben's been a bit frustrated. He had his, obviously his fight was off at the last trilogy, so I think he's glad to have this one on. Now, do you see this one going, Rich? Yeah, I, I think um, you know Kings. He's got the got got the, got the more experience, but I mean Ben's been around a long time. He's got a, you know. I'm just looking at the record here. Kingsley's bloody very experienced as an amateur. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten and three is an amateur. Kingsley, I didn't realise his amateur yeah. record was so extensive. So, I'm sure he fought Aiden James at that. Yeah, he lost, he lost the decision to win games. He's not now and Anis Yazbudis. And he's got a win over Lewis Monarch, who's um, you know, a, a really good guy. So I think Ben's got the style. You know, he's, he's going to be a problem for most people in that division. He's able, you know, he's got good wrestling. Um, he's, you know, neat and tidy with the boxing. You know, interesting fight, but um, like I'm Jack Seven, I'm supporting the Welsh side. You know, he had a bit of bit of a knockback at the last trilogy where he didn't get the fight. So I'm, I'm going to go for the Ben um, TKO later in rounds, late, late round two or round three. And uh, speaking of the Welsh guys, obviously uh, Aaron. Um, was supposed to Aaron Khaled was supposed to be fighting at the moment he's not uh, although I think I know he's still trying to get a fight because uh, his fighter had to pull out his opponent had to pull out uh, obviously he was very impressive uh, in his victory on the previous trilogy um, so hopefully he can get a fight as well I enjoy uh, seeing the Welsh lads fighting on these cards um, one fight I am really looking forward to and I'm going to be watching with a bit of interest because is um, Adam Armasinger versus Sam Creasy at flyweight because um, the last couple of Cage Warriors uh, events, so we had the trilogy he fought and then he fought on the one where Mason won the title um, and Adam Armasinger, he looked really, really impressive on both. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on against Sam Creasy. Um, Jack, you familiar with both these guys? Yeah, um, I also like both of those guys sort of fought, fought on cards that I, that I was on when I was with Cage Warriors. I think it's one of them, if you ask me, if they, if you ask me who would win maybe 12, 18 months, I'd have said Sam Creasy and, and quite comfortably, but obviously the last sort of 12 months, I'm, I'm singer of, of had some really good performances and looked really sharp. And, and, you know, Creasy has been a little bit 50 50. You know, he hasn't been as active as he usually was. Um, I know he lost, he had that big loss for the title, and I think he's fought once since then. So, it's a real, real close fight now, and again, it's another one of them. I think it's the, it's a sort of back-handed um, number one contender fight. Um, obviously, with Sam Creasy, I know he lost his fight before the last um, to the title, but if he wins against Adam now, then, then I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in and fight for the belt. And vice versa, I think if Adam wins, you know he's got good management, uh, good, good back, and he's, he's a good ticket seller for when the crowds do come back in. So. I wouldn't be shocked to see him be put into the title if he wins as well. Because, again, I think whoever wins the flyweight belt is going to move on anyway. So, depending on that fight, was it could even be a case of um, the winner of Singer and Singer against Creasy could even perhaps fight the loser of, uh, of the flyweight title fight, depending on if it's a fight or not. Yeah, there's some, some top talent at the top of that flyweight division. Um, what about you, uh, Richard? How do you see that one going on, Armour Singer and Creasy? It's... Again, it's a very, very close. It's well had, very similar stylistically. Both, both very good strikers. Um, both, I just think Amazing is on, um, 
Connor is he lost to Giddens, didn't he? If I remember rightly, uh, oh, Josh is fighting. Um, he's, he's moved up away. That's right, yeah. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's won his last two. Yeah, he's definitely won the last two. I'm trying to think if he won. Yeah, he had a good finish, didn't he? Uh, Connor Hignett. Connor Hignett. He beat Connor Hignett last time, didn't he? Um, yeah, Connor Hignett and Jake Bond the time before that, and then he yeah, lost so to Giddens. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with um, with, with, with Adam. Uh, and I like both guys. I, I, I like both guys as, as people as well as fighters. Both, you know, two, two gents. Um, mm. You know, we've had Sam and Adam on, on the events. We've had down in Wales. So, but I, I'm going to go with Adam for win that one. It's another cracking fight, isn't it? And like you mentioned... Both of you mentioned about fighting, you know, fighting these. Some of these guys could have taken perhaps was perceived as easier fights, but they're fighting, you know, as, as hard a fight as possible, really. Um, Danny, it's obviously the Cage Warriors, that Cage Warriors trilogy card is looking lovely every day. It's got some, some real interesting bouts. Um, is there a particular fight you're looking forward to on those over those three days? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to obviously be biased and go towards one of my lads that are fighting, but I'm kind of interested to see how Tom Learns is getting on. Um, you know, he fought this guy, he fought Ainable back nine years ago. I think it was today, actually, today's <laughs> date that he fought him nine years ago. And um, But he was just a kid uh, and, and training under under a year and, and we had a lot of experience over him back all those years ago. So that that's going to be a matchup that I'm really interested in seeing. And also, we're trying to get... Tom's life, you know, back in order along with his training, um, and we're trying to get him back down to featherweight. So this one's done at a catch weight. So for me, that has numerous interests. Both, I think, as a spectator, I think this is a great matchup. They had a great fight first time around. I think this second time around is going to be fantastic. Uh, I think they're very, 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 very similar in certain areas of their games. Um, it's going to be a case of who's going to be toughest and who's going to strategize best and. Uh, yeah, that, that one's going to be really interesting to me. And obviously, you know, there are so many other great fights on that card, but that one has a specific interest for me because, you know, I really need Tom to win this and get him back in the picture. And like I say, it's a catch weight to get him back down to featherweight where I think he's quite quite big and strong and more capable. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because um, Tom's fight on the last trilogy was it was so entertaining from start to finish. And I think he, you know, he won it, uh, even though he went down as a loss on a decision. Um, so just lastly on Cage Warriors, um, we'll start with you, Jack. How do you see Josh, Josh's fight going uh, with Gittins? And... Yeah, Josh, he's looking really, I, I mean, I've spent most of the camp with him. Me, me, me and Dr. Brett have been getting him ready for this. And obviously Gittins is, is never an easy fight. He's tough, he's doable. But I think if, if Josh turns up and fights how he did in his last fight, um, you know, last time he was out, you look like the Josh Reed of all the controlled aggression. Um, he's a big hitter, Josh. So when he lets his hands go, I think you know the opponents get catch a bit of taste of it and they sort of push them on their heels a little bit. So if he comes out, you know, nice, nice and aggressive, but in, in a controlled manner, you know, lets his shots go. I, I think he'll, he'll back it and up and then, and then sort of play the Josh's game plan of, of where he wants to seek the take down or lock the fence on the feet. Um, I think the key, key in this fight for him is obviously putting him on the back foot because um, obviously watch getting he's got a very similar sort of a little bit like a like a Nate Diaz style. He likes to come forward, back him up on the team, uh in the pocket. You know, he's not a big big hitter, but he, he does like the rip his shots, you know, body head. 
and sort of overwhelms guys and ends up finishing them, I think, through volume. So I, I, I see Josh coming out, patting him up early and um, and just sort of swaying the momentum and, and, and wherever he wants to get him down and sub him or sort of try and look for that knockout on the feet. But also I'm, I'm rooting for our boy, the crazy horse, sort of wherever where he goes. Um, if he's got to do it in a round or do it in three rounds, as long as he gets a win, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be very happy to see him back in there. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Um, obviously, we had Josh on last week and I uh, really, really enjoyed chatting to him. Like He seemed like a top guy. Um, Richard, obviously, you know, has his coach as well. And is the concern that, you know, obviously he hasn't fought for over a year? No, I, I think you see a better fighter. We, we, we worked on some of his his weaker points. You know, he, he's been wrestling Jack and Brett constantly. This year's part of the, the pro setup that we've, we've been allowed to train. So... You know, he'd be the first to say to you, he's had his ass handed to him week in, week out, you know, but uh, it's, it's that type of environment what makes or breaks you and it's been the making of him. His, his weight's bang on, he's as fit as he, he's ever been and, you know, as you can see, sorry, he's never in a boring fight. Um, you know, and you, you see a, a bit of a a more multi-dimensional Joshua as well, you know. He, he's a pretty lad who, who, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but I think you see him use his wrestling a little bit more than what we have done in previous fights. Good stuff. Um, so just to, f- to finish us off then before you two go, um, just got a couple of questions really. Well, one question and then very quickly do UFC predictions for next week really quickly. Um, so Johnny Wish sent in a question for you both um, and he asked your opinion on, uh, he said, sorry it's boxing, but um, he wanted to know your opinion on celebrity boxing, especially after Jake Paul called out Conor McGregor uh, and he also says how do you think that fight would go um, go on Jack I'll let you go first on that one to be honest like the, the celebrity boxing thing it is what it is it's not I don't think these guys genuinely think they could be professional boxers they, they're not they're not that stupid the reality of it is YouTube stars they're businessmen you know they're, they're guys who have you know they're literally making millions of pounds a month from, from start, and it all started from them so, you know, what we're doing now, sat in front of a computer or a laptop and recording themselves doing different things. They, they've amassed this big following and, and, and they sort of started off in it with PSI and, and Logan Paul had a boxing match and, and now they're all sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Um, so, it's one of them ones. I mean, you look back a couple of years ago, people were saying boxing was dead. So, is it necessarily a bad thing that, that they bring in new eyes to the sport? I mean, they're filling the undercard up with, with decent talent. So, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it has its place, but I think the you know the, the people with any sense and any sort of knowledge will know that they're not actual boxers. I mean, um, that that Jake Paul who fought on the weekend, he can actually box a little bit, but again, chuck him in with a, a seasoned pro, and, and he's going to get his ass handed to him. Um, chuck him in with Conor McGregor. He's saying these sort of things because he knows full well. He's not going to end up fighting McGregor, but he'll end up fighting maybe someone like Dylan Dennis or Artem Lobov. Artem Lobov had plenty to say about it. And then he'll end up making you know, a couple of million in the process. So oh, yeah. And if he gets people talking, don't he? You know, like we, we, we brought it up as a discussion, you know? So, but I'll be yeah, I would never know who Logan Paul or Jake no, no, is until this weekend. For the fact that they've done this, this celebrity boxing. So they know exactly what they're doing. It's all a scheme to make them more money. Um, they're not as delusional as people, as people think. They, they're very similar yeah. to, um, to the WWE guys. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah. they, they play off this character and this persona 
he knows deep down that he's never going to beat Conor McGregor in a boxing match, but he knows by saying that, man, he's going to be all over the headlines and he's going to have more people subscribing to his channel and, and following him on Instagram. So I'm not totally against it. Um, but it does, it obviously does come a, a point where you've got to sort of draw a line. If, if he is going to make a pop of go of it and, and, and go pro, like he says he is, then, then he's obviously got to fight the up-and-comers as well. He can't expect to fight McGregor to make under million. Let's, let's chuck him in with... Uh, you know, you British chapman, or you're, you know, you're equivalent in, the, in America and see how he gets on there. Yeah, I think um, a couple of things for me, like obviously when KSI fought uh, Logan Paul, wasn't it? Um, like Billy Joe Saunders was on the undercard, and like I saw a lot of people up in arms about that because obviously Billy Joe Saunders is quite a big name within British boxing. So why is he on the undercard? But it's because these YouTube guys have got such a big following. So they sell, you know, the pay-per-views yeah, and everything which they how do. How many people who didn't know Billy Joe Saunders was now know Billy Joe Saunders was because they could support that, that pay-per-view. You know, these yeah. YouTubers now probably, or, or, or Logan Paul fans and Jake Paul fans, who now probably follow Billy Joe Saunders because they watched him fight on the undercard. And again, if you're someone like Billy Joe Saunders, who is, is a big deal in the UK, but maybe not so much worldwide then, considering how good he is, you know, he, he hasn't got... He doesn't get the press and like the sort of Canelos and the Triple Gs does. He knows so well by having more eyes on him, he's going to push him into them big fights. So that's why, you know, your people like the Billy Joes and your, your Devin Haney fought on the last one and um, Baden Jack was on the undercard this one. They know so well. They, they're probably going to make more money doing that than he would put the headline in the show, you know, maybe in Manchester or London. So again, it's all, it's all a business. They're not, they're not stupid guys and, and, and sort of Billy Joe and that Devin Haney, you know, the business side of boxing, they get it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Richard, like, there's one thing in there for Jake Paul to fight that the guy he fought, uh, Nate, I mean, last week, who was a former baseball player who'd never fought in his life. And, you know, he beat him comfortably, knocked him out. There's one thing to fight him and then just fight even just someone who's been through the amateur ranks and got a couple of fights who's, you know, got some proper boxing skills, isn't it? It's pretty much a white collar match, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. You, you've got two guys with a bit of training behind them. I mean, like Jack said, these guys are multi millionaires, man, so they probably are paying for some of the top coaches to come in and all the rest yeah. of it. But, you know, is he going to beat anybody that's, that's like a, a legitimate pro, not even a, you know, a, a champion? Uh, probably not, you know, but like Jack said, he brings a lot of ice to the sport, so, you know, it's not always a bad thing. Um, we, we've we went to a Cage Warriors event in Jack when Ross Houston fought for the title in Birmingham. And we got introduced to some YouTubers Cage side there, Jack, didn't we? And um, the one lad was 19 and had a, a gross worth of 20 million, 20 million pounds. So, yeah, they're doing something, right? Yeah, God, yeah. 20 million. If I had 20 million when I was 19, I hate to think what state I'd be in now. And they had fought on the undercard of the KSI. Um, well, just to put it into perspective, like the sort of money they make, one of the Cage Warriors guys at the time, one of like the media managers, he's sort of like an app creator on the iPhone. And um, the the reason he knew this YouTuber because he pays, because he paid him to advertise, um, you know, advertise his new app on like a pop-up mm. on one of his YouTube channels. And he charged him, I think it was something like £50,000 for something like a 20 second advert. And it wasn't even like a, it wasn't a promo, it was just, you know, where you can put like an ad at the bottom of the video as the video was playing. It was one yeah. of them, like £50,000 wow. for a 20 second ad. So, wow. you know, they're good businessmen to be making money. Yeah, 
See, Dan, that's why we need to be charging for sponsorship. Fifty grand <laughs> just to have something <laughs> scroll across the bottom well, of the scroll across the bottom of the screen. I've been in school of him, and he took his money off him. Right. Um, I know you guys have got to shoot, so uh, very quickly, I'm going to ask. I'm going to throw these fights to you next week for the UFC, and you can yeah. just give us a quick prediction. Um, so we got the main event is uh, Divison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the flyweight title. Uh, Richard, who's going to win that? Figueredo. Jack. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Figueredo as well. Danny, uh, any difference that we made? No, no, no difference. I mean, the guy's on fire, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, and then we got uh, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. Uh, we'll go the same order, uh, Richard. Oliveira. Oof, that's a big shout. Uh, what about you, Jack? I'm going Ferguson just because the only time I think I've seen a little bit of weakness in Oliveira is when he's been put on the back foot and, and he's been forced to fight under a bit of pressure. Um, and I think Ferguson will come out with a point to prove. It's, it's just a matter of whether he will come out a different man after that. That'll be in the last fight. So I'm going to stay loyal to uh, the boogeyman and go with Tony Ferguson. What about you, Dan? Yeah, this this one's tricky because uh, you know, just like Jack was saying, you know, it's, what did it do to him that last performance that he had? You know, did it, did it take anything away from him? Um, but because I think the guy's a little bit psychotic, it probably didn't take <laughs> nothing out of him. So uh, he's no longer a young man anymore. But I know he trains like crazy, so he'll say more youthful than most. Uh, even though now he's in, you know, he's in his latter thirties now, isn't he? So um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Ferguson though on this one, just just because he's so creative. Yeah, I got a feeling that's going to be an entertaining one, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, um, we've also got a heavyweight bout between Junior Dos Santos and uh, Cyril Gain. Uh, which way do you see that one going, Rich? Dos Santos, I think, too experienced for him. And uh, Jack? Yeah, I think Dos Santos is still life in the old dog yet. I think, um, although he's not quite capable of sort of taking on the, the top ten, maybe I think he's still got enough about him to um, to see off some of the up and comers. So I'm going to go with uh, JDS. Uh, Danny. Yeah, I, I'm gonna gonna go with the flow on this one. Um, I kind of like thinking on the same lines. And uh, the one fight, one of the fights I'm really looking forward to uh, to finish off is uh, Mosiano versus uh, Fiziev in a lightweight bout. Uh, Richard, never heard about you. I'm saying, if I'm honest, so you know, is it? Um, I like. What was the first guy called? Uh, Mosiano. Yeah, you know like Mosiano. Mosiano. The fight of featherweight. Yeah, you know, you know him, you do know him. Oh, Rafael Marciano, that's what threw me, because lightweight, the Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah, I go with him, because I know him, I don't know the other guy. Uh, uh, Jack? Yeah, same, I'm literally the same logic. Who was the other guy he's fighting? Uh, Fiziev, Rafael Fiziev. Yeah, he's 8-1 uh, from Kazakhstan. Oh, is Ooh. he? Uh, yeah, that, tra- that changes it. Um, we'll, we'll go for Fiziev. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny, which way did you go? Moisiano there or Fiziev? No, I'm going to go Fiziev on that one. And, uh, the f- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final one is Kevin Holland versus Ronaldo Souza. Uh, Rich? Ooh. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland. He's so unpredictable, isn't he? And, and, and he's so game at the moment. He's on a tear. Um, you know, we all know what Sousa's capable of. But I think Holland on the feet will, will be too much. You know, for Sousa to 
implement the game, he's got to get Holland down. I think he'll have a bit of work to do. That's all. I'm going to go Kevin Holland. And uh, Jack? Yeah, I'm stuck in the middle on this one because I would I would like to say, um, you know, based on his recent run, Kevin Holland is on fire. Obviously, I think he's had four wins or five wins this year. You know, unbelievable striker, very creative. Um, tra- traditionally, Jack Ray always struggled against the Nordic strikers. But the only, the only reason I'm, I'm stuck in the middle is because I find Holland is very reckless. Like, we watched him against Darren Stewart. He went for something crazy, like a spinning attack, and ended up on his back. And, and we all know, you know, he couldn't get up when Darren Stewart held him down. But if uh, if Jackery gets even half of an end, you half of a position on him on the ground, then obviously 99% of the time it's over. So I am stuck on the fence. I'm going to go with Holland just because of his recent run of form, but I'm, I'm not 100% counting uh, Jackery out just yet. And then, uh, Danny, just for you to finish us off, eh? Uh, I'm going to go Jeffrey. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I think this guy, he, he, he can strike as well as grapple, you know, so he's really well mad about Yeah, yeah, so he actually strikes pretty decent, considering, you know, we know him for his grappling. But, you know, he's cracking on in years. How old is he now? He's got, yeah, he's he, yeah. is he for, in his 40s? Yeah, yeah. he's got to be. That's a worry thing. And, and I've you know, become a bit of a fan of, of Holland. I really do like his, yeah. his his style. I like that little bit of unpredictability along with the, the gamesmanship. He, he's definitely up for it. Um, but Sosa's really tidy. And, um, yeah, I think that could be the undoing of Holland in this one. I, I just think yeah. he could get caught. If he gets put on the ground, he might try something crazy on the ground and do that against that level grappler. He's going to get put away. Yeah, yeah so... 100%. Yeah, yeah he's, tricky he's one. Four, Forty years, um, yeah. right? Jack, Richard, appreciate you uh, both joining us. Thank you very yeah, much. Always great. a pleasure, and you're always welcome back anytime. Yeah, we'll see you next week in London. Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> have, you, have you got anything? Is Madaskis got anything lined up? Anything in the pipeline? He's just had knee surgery, so ah, right. um, I mean, the, the thing is with the kid, he'll fight and then be training on the Monday. Yeah, um, he's still still young and. Um, if, if there's such thing as being over eager, um, you know, he's a true true demonstration of that. He's just so over eager. You get niggles, and he keeps pushing through. And um, so, yeah, he's, he's just. I don't know to what extent yet. Um, I'm actually going to give him a call later tonight because we're doing the podcast at the earlier than we normally do. Um, I'm going to give him a call to see how he's doing. But yeah, so you know, early next year, but nothing planned. I right, give my best. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, Richard. Right, cheers. 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 Yeah, well done, cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers, Jack. Always a pleasure to have the, the, those two gentlemen on uh, on the show. As yeah, ever. that was a treat. Nice treat, that was. Yeah, and I think um, it just varied up a little bit in there and have a, have a conversation. Because what I didn't want to happen was for us to be kind of midway through the card and then they have to go and then sure. kind of throws it a bit. So I thought we'll have a nice chat. Got plenty of clips to come out of that as well, which is always a bonus. Um, yeah. But me and you will have a little chat now about the card from last night to finish us off. We won't be, we won't do it too long. We'll just have a go by, go match by match. What was the first match on the card? It was the knockout slam, wasn't it, on the yeah. main card? Um, that ma- so that was ma- wild. Have you ever yeah. had ever seen any of them or be any had that in person where you have the big slam? Uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever been at a fight show where there's been a knockout. No, normally it's a slam followed by some ground and pound. But um, mm. I mean, obviously, over the course of time, we've seen knockout slams before. Yeah, we've seen uh, a few. Matt, I mean, Matt, Matt Hughes. I mean, going back a long time, Matt Hughes. That when he was, didn't he? 
being putting in triangle by oh my god what's the name of the guy uh can't, can't think off the top of my head. Me, but, um, you are terrible with names, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't bring them up off the top of my head so well. But Matt Hughes was basically getting put in a triangle. It actually looked like that he passed out on the feet. He was in a triangle where he, he stood up and uh, mm. kind of collapsed, but he ended up knocking the guy out as he fell down. And um, it went it in Hughes' favour. Carlos Hughes's Newman. Favor. Carlos Newton, came. that's it. Yeah. Carlos Newton's a good grappler, Carlos Newton. Uh, and mm. actually a really good entrepreneur. He's, he's sort of like jacked the MMA scene in because uh, I think he went into running old people's homes or something along those lines. But I know he's a bit of an entrepreneur. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd have to look into into that out of sheer interest. I'm, I'm sure that's what he went into. But he, he was a really good grappler. I remember seeing him on a MMA event before he went over to UFC where they was fighting anyone, any weight, and he went up against a massive guy, a really, really big guy. Um you know, back when MMA was true MMA, you know, it was yeah. uh, people with martial art backgrounds and, and they had their skill set and nothing else more to go by. Um, so I remember seeing him on that when he was just a, a teenager, I think he was at the time. But yeah, yeah, it brings back memories. But hmm. yeah, that was well, that was one slam that sort of stood out. But yeah, this one, unusual, um, didn't last very long, didn't happen in the second or third round, did it? It all happened in the, no, the first I think it was minute like or so. A minute or so, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Like 20, 22 seconds, wow. Um, but yeah, and I was really, I was looking forward to this fight because they're both uh, very highly rated fighters. Matt uh, Matt Whitman uh, was, you know, I was looking forward to seeing it. He seemed like he was bang up for it. And uh, yeah, it's I mean, got to be disappointing, haven't it, and frustrating because he just... yeah. Levet just picked him up and just smashed him down, basically. Matt Women is, you know, it's not the top tier of the mm. fighter, so, you know, it's quite a good for, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Levet. Is that how you Levet. 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 How you pronounce his name? You know, just, it's his eighth fight. So, still, you know, in the modern in day of MMA, that's, you know, quite inexperienced now, really, in the big scheme. So, that was a good introduction for him um, to go up against this guy, but. Yeah, he, he put the guy away. I don't think he intended to. I thought, you know, he went to walk over and put him in his corner so he had nice, clear instruction, which is a, a kind of a mature thing to do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he, he got it put away with the slam. Um, just very, very rare. It must have caught him right at the back of the neck and high shoulders. Uh, it was enough to put him out. I, I guess it can happen to, to the best of us if we get put on our backs in the right way. Yes, I think... Um... He was concerned, wasn't he, for his uh, his opponent? Like as soon as he, as soon as the you know it was called, he was straight over there to see if he was all right because he was out. Yeah. He was not moving. I um, think what, for always a while. the worry, the worry when you get slammed on your neck is you know have you, have you hurt yeah, his back, course. you know, or his, his neck, anything along the spine. Um, oh, yeah. But um, I think this was purely impactive. It's almost like you know like a, what a karate chop would do on the back of the head, uh, back of the neck if you land it right. But um, in this case, it was the canvas. <laughs> yeah, he took it. It was like a big blow to the back of the head, wasn't it? And I suppose, they, yeah. like they said on commentary, that's why you're not allowed to hit to the back of the head, um, right? Because of the you know the damage it can do and the and yeah, the, yeah, the impact it can have. Um, sure. But you know, for sure, it was uh, it was a big a big slam. Jack, obviously, Jack just mentioned uh, WWE. It was a bit like that, you know. Yeah, big uh, a big slam. Uh, so next up was uh, when I know you enjoyed, which was Roman uh, Dollar Dees versus John Allen, and uh, yeah, he went the distance with Roman picking up the decision, split decision, 
29, 28, 30, 27, 28, 29. What do you think of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Roman, I think, was uh, at times a little bit overconfident um, against Alan. Um, but Alan was like all serious. You know, mm. he, he didn't play up to any of the antics um, of. Mm. Um, you know, Roman talking to his corner, calling out what submission do you want and jumping on leg locks. But, you know, they were the gym, risky, nice though, that. leg locks. They are, yeah. So, you know, the commentators picked up on it. And this is something that we talk about in, in our club. We've got a lot of very, very proficient leg lockists. Um, you know, one of my sort of assistant coaches, if you will, I mean, he's more than equal to me in coaching. Um, he helps me a lot with the MMA team, Raymond Paul. You know, mm. he's he's nifty. In every aspect, he can strike, he can wrestle, but this guy, wow, he can grapple. He's not particularly big, walks around at 70 kilos. If he was ever going to fight, yes, actually seven, I know, as an amateur, but never went into the pro scene. I so wish he would. Um, he's, he's trained with people like Peter Yan and, and matched people like that in training to give you an idea of how good this kid is. But, um, yeah, he, he works alongside me getting the team ready and um, really proficient with the leg locks but look leg locks do have a place in mma but the time best to go for them is right at the end of the round because they do potentially put you on your back and on if you don't get taken advantage for of being by going to your back and failing with the leg lock you're going to get someone potentially to, to scramble back up to their feet and if they're a really dangerous striker that wouldn't be a good idea but done at the end of a round or uh, maybe at the end of a fight when you're you know you're three rounds or five rounds down as it could be in championship rounds and then you just go all out on a leg lock to try to pull it off and um, it's kind of like the grappling's ko i guess you would you could call it by catching someone in a heel hook yeah um but yeah he was going from a little bit prematurely and uh, i think he underestimated john allen's grappling game because he was actually really really good and he was good at his own attacks as well did you see him from his close guard into open guard you know trying to go for um, arm bars and stuff you know clearly had live hips and clearly wasn't shy of the ground i mean when he was getting put in those leg locks um, roman was failing to create enough bend and control in the knee line to be able to utilize and complete the heel hook um, but john allen was completely relaxed in it and he got out and there was no mucking about he was straight back to work he, he just wanted it in there but um, as the rounds progressed, um, in one of the rounds, uh, Roman caught a nice body double. I call it a body double where you shoot for a sort of like the double legs, but you go high and got okay. John Allen down real easy. Got him down too easy. And I, I think this was a little bit of a little bit of an error in John Allen's game. And as much as he really worked hard, he kind of showed a little bit of a hole in his game there and kind of threw that round away. Um, but fair play to Roman. I mean, Roman stayed really, really confident. He nearly went against him with his overconfidence, but his confidence prevailed into that final round. And, um, yeah, he did enough to win in my mind. But, yeah, mark my, my words, we're going to see more of this John Allen character. He actually really impressed me last night. Yeah, really liked yeah, his game. Yeah, he was impressive, wasn't he? I really thought um, there was just something about the way he was going about his business that really... Yeah captured like my interest there was at no point was i kind of like bored in this fight or like looking at my phone i was glued to it from yeah. start to finish um and i just really enjoyed it did you say you you scored it the same way the split went uh no i, I mean i gave it to roman in the end um you know it, it, i think it, like john analyst looked a little bit gassed at, you know in that final round uh roman was still having to back foot because john Allen was just constantly coming forward but he was coming forward towards the the end not really getting anything that consequential off and, and Roman was kind of like doing more more of the striking even though he was on the back foot at times um, so yeah I was, 
definitely thought Roman won it, but I was kind of surprised it was a split decision. Yeah, yeah, I thought um, I would say my, you know, I thought Roman won. I just didn't think it was a, a split. Yeah. Uh, next up was Gabriel Benitez versus Justin James. Yeah, that that Benitez, jeez, I mean those kicks. He's a boy, uh, isn't he? Oof. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean this guy's a prospect. Uh, you know, with, with, without a doubt, um, just just dangerous. I mean, even his hands. I mean, his kicks kind of made you oh, or could so easily make you overlook his hands. His hands were super fast, powerful, and really, really tight. Um, fair play to his fault. Now, James, you know, he took it to him with the hands as well and got some successes because uh, Batista had some nasty swelling on his eyes. So, obviously, he was getting some things, some things through, but it wasn't stopping Benitez doing what he loves to do, which is to strike. But those kicks... I'm surprised James didn't show any consequence of those leg kicks and body kicks because they were hitting and lifting his leg right up in the air. But he, his knee line must have been really, really good and set well to receive those kicks well enough not to have anything being consequential on a physical level. But I'm sure had rounds gone on um, and had it gone into later rounds, surely those body and leg kicks would have started telling and, and showing through. But one thing what was uh, one thing what was picked up, and whether this was a tactical thing, a strategical thing that they wanted to do purposely and go for the rear leg, I don't know or whether it's just because there was opposite stance. But he was mm. doing unusual setups to go for that rear leg, which was quite impressive because that's not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it is he's the real deal, man. It's the real deal. Uh, love watching him. I'm going to look out for that name in, in future because. It's all fireworks when he's uh, when he's on the cage there. Yeah. yeah, it was very very impressive performance. Um, so Benitez won by TKO. Uh, four minutes six seconds into the first round. Yeah, it was a dirty knee. Pound. Dirty dirty knee though. What put him down? He actually fired off that knee a little bit beforehand, feeling it out, and he's doing it to counter the cross hand. Now this is because there was opposite stance. Now, the mm. thing is, when you throw your cross hand, if you're going to do a cross hand in any way, whether it's an overhand, a right hook, or, or a straight right, if you're doing it properly, you've got to be pushing off that rear foot and twisting your body mass round. So it does open the body momentarily to be countered. And because there was opposite stance, he drew through his rear knee, which is his left knee, and it was absolutely beautiful timing, beautiful timing, and, and folded him down. Now, that, that could have been serious, being hit that clean with that kind of velocity and being that fresh in the first round. It absolutely bowled the guy over. Very, very impressive. And the fact that um, he threw it uh, probably about 30 seconds to a minute before then, but I think around about 30 seconds before, he was feeling that one out. And I think he just got the measure. And, uh, yeah, he kind of knew it was going to land, I feel. Yes, yes, he did. And uh, next was um, Ov, uh, OSP versus uh, Jamahal Hill. Uh, this one didn't go too far either. It was three minutes 37 into round two uh, with Hill taking the victory. Yeah, OSP, I, I like watching him fight. You know, he's, he's quite relaxed, um, sometimes a little bit too relaxed for his own good. And uh, Jamal Hill come out, you know, looking like he had taken a good shot of speed, um, really intense. You know, probably inexperienced compared to OSP, um, come out really, really with sharp hands. Now, he come out with sharp hands and was getting a little bit of success, but then he was getting landed upon with the leg kicks, which I think was a good call for OSP to go for. Um, he looked like he was naturally the bigger and heavier guy. And indeed, he was mm. coming at 207.5. So I don't know whether that okay. that class is a miss on the weight. I, I don't know. Did it, did sure. it flag I up? I haven't as seen a, anything miss, about um, I think he was too, that could be wrong. 
yeah, I think it was 207.5. I'm not too sure if that counts as a, as a miss um, mm. on the weight. Um, I think that might be above their allowance. But, yeah, he looked like the bigger dude um, and definitely thick set below the waist, really, really thick, thick set. And he landed in a leg kick on Jamal and it, it definitely damaged his leg in some way. Now, whether his corner or whether he didn't have chance to perhaps become aware that he had maybe damaged Jamal's heels leg and, and work on it and capitalise on it, I don't know. But he didn't go back at the leg enough and I think he should have done because... Jamal Hill was coming on so thick and fast with those hands and getting confident because his combinations were becoming bigger and more varied, which you know goes to show that he's fit, getting tenacious and getting confident. Now, he had a little lull in his confidence when he had his leg hurt, and I felt like he should have been targeting that leg a little bit more to try and slow down the hands and the footwork of Jamal Hill, but he didn't do so. And I think ultimately they ended up costing him his fight. But hey, uh, Jamal Hill is new kid on the block. You know, it's what's that now? Eight and oh, I think himself, he, he yeah, goes up to himself yeah. a reputation, isn't he? He, he? he could well be something. I mean, it wasn't a polished performance by any stretch. You know, it definitely wasn't polished, but it was tenacious. He's definitely uh, someone to look out for and definitely going to be improving on his skill set from here on out. Now he's uh, making a stamp in the UFC. Well, we talked about uh, Jack fighting, you know, with legends and stuff. Like, OSP is a big name for someone like. Jamal Hill, who's on this tear and you know unbeaten, to go yep. and you know he's a name. Whether he, like you said, he wasn't perhaps as as fluid and as um, smooth as he has been in some of his other fights. Mm. However, it's a big name, isn't it? To 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 on paper to kind of click off the list. I guess is yeah, the word, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's going. He's going in the right direction. That's for sure. Yes, indeed, he is. Um, okay, so. I, but like, I'm the same as you. I enjoy watching OSP either way. Yeah. It's always a, a very enjoyable experience. But uh, yeah. next up was the main event, and it was Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson. As we discussed earlier, uh, Vittori picked up the unanimous decision. I think we all agreed that it was you know, quite a dominant performance. 49-46, 49-46, 49-45. But um, talk to me a bit about why Vittori was so impressive. Well, he just had better range um, there was both opposite stance he just had a better understanding of his range now when you're opposite stance you know a lot of the people even watching who perhaps even don't train the martial arts if, if you show a vested enough interest and you're watching enough MMA and you listen to the commentary you'll get to know that whoever steps their lead foot outside the other person's lead, lead foot you start triggering off your rear hand uh, or your rear kicks off more predominantly than you would if you're same side stance um, now Vittori he just had a laser beam of a crosshand. His left straight was just constantly there for him, and it really was earning him his money all night long. Um, it was just on the button time and time again. Yeah. Um, and the thing is with Hermansa, and this really was the predominant difference between them. Hermansa actually had the reach advantage, but was unable to make it work because he kept punching short with his rear side. So he was in orthodox stance, but most of the time when he threw his rear hand, he was having to throw it as a hook. Now, if you're going to be throwing a hook and, and have a more percentage chance of a hook succeeding, it's nearly always with your lead hook. It's actually really hard to make a rear hook um, land well. And he kept throwing it kind of as in between a hook and an overhand. Mm. It was like he couldn't decide what he wanted it to be. And that was quite simply because he was off balance. And he's off balance because his hips were stiff. He was um, not driving off his rear foot and not penetrating his rear hip and shoulder. He wasn't doing a thing called ripping shoulders. Now, okay. uh, I work on and off with my boxing coach quite a lot and you know, getting your cross hand 
to punch as long as your jab is something that is quite important if you want to start stringing together anything more than one hit. He was really struggling to make anything other than a jab land. Now, he did have his successes at times, and he's going to get any success. Hamanson was getting success with an uppercut, almost as though it was um, borderline clinching in that pocket. But it was just mm. too few and far between. Um, Vittori, for me, was just really impressive, and he clearly changed up his cardio training or his strength training, his conditioning training, because normally we see him fading round three. Now, this was a five-round fight, which is why I thought Vittori might not be victorious come the end of it because i thought he would start to flag in round three four and five and if he was lucky enough to go the distance would have the decision go against him but the guy come out and i think it's partly because of his cornerman were saying such good advice in that round coming out for round four coming out for round five they said look you know hermanson come back and he's won that round off you don't let him win another round. You've got to nail these ones. When he throws, you throw. You keep yourself established, basically, on where you are in that round. Just don't let this guy get ahead on the scorecard because Hermanson, he really put it on him in that round three. And you go, did, just, yeah. goes to, just goes to show how well-conditioned he was and how fit he was. Now, that along with his attitude to and desire to, to desperately want to win was clearly on display there. Um, but for Tory, switched up yet another gear and like I say, partly because of his cornerman and quite possibly because he stepped up his conditioning training because, hey, he looked great in round four and five and they're both trading in the pocket and what a great fight to watch. And this is a fight that I'd actually show interest in watching it again maybe yeah, tomorrow when 100%. I get time because it was so enjoyable. There was actually quite a bit what was happening. I want to study their footwork, see who and how and why people were getting their successes. But let's not turn a shy eye away from Hermanson. Hermanson had his successes um, too in there. You know, not just because of his strong attitude and his fitness to, to be in there and his desire to win. He did show some, some great skill sets and some great decision-making in trying to get it to the ground. But unfortunately for him, he just didn't have the skill set enough and the clinical cleanness of his technique and, and execution to get it to the ground and get that rear hand succeeded enough for him to possibly have switched the result the other way. But... Um, yeah, great performance for both, but for Tory's definitely, definitely moved up um, in my estimation of his uh, capabilities. He he's looking a better for Tory than I've ever seen before. Yeah, he looks um, motivated. Um, yeah, and he just looks like a top fighter now. Um, and like I, um, I just really, I was rooting for him a lot in this fight. I just really like the way he conducts himself and the way he, he goes about his business and. Hermanson, I thought, was a really, really hard fight for him. Yeah. Um, Hermanson, like, even though that first round I thought it was done, and then Hermanson just kept coming. He just kept taking it and he kept coming himself. Um, and it was just, it was a rackled, um, the most uh, strikes thrown uh, in that weight division in the UFC ever. Yeah, um, I am not surprised. Um, by both, like by both guys, uh, they threw in the round five. Uh, John Anik noted that each man had thrown three hundred and ten plus strikes in approximately twenty three minutes. Yeah, and, and to think, and that was in, and that was in round five, right? Yeah, I mean, think so, about that. That's cha- you know the final of you know, championship level rounds, and the pace was not slow throughout any of the previous four. To be throwing that much goes to show the desire to win from both and and the commitment of their conditioning. I mean that that's really something. Oh yes, it's. Um, I would. I'm quite. I now you've put it in my brain. I want the rematch. I think 
But... Do you know what? That that wouldn't be a bad a bad idea. I think that'd be great. It'd be interesting to see what strategies they bring because, you know, Vittori would obviously have to try, try and add some new ideas in to keep himself being a fresh, uh, difficult to figure out fighter. And um, Hermanson, yeah, what, what, what something new. I mean, he would have to just tidy up on his um, technical execution of that rear hand and, and crisp up on those takedown attempts if he wants to stand a chance on beating someone like Vittori. I'm gonna just. Uh, I wanted to have a look, quick look at the rankings and see if there's another fight which maybe would be ahead of the rematch. Um, so what have we got? Hamanson. Yeah, middleweights. Such a busy division, isn't it? That um, is middleweights. Is so. This was Darren Till's fight initially, wasn't it? Jack Manson right. and yeah. uh, Vittori stepped in. Like Vittori before this rank thirteen, he's got to jump up to at least ten, surely. You would um, think so. Like the people above him are like Ahmedov, Shabassian, Chris Weidman's at 10. Like for me, Vittori's got to go above Weidman. I don't know how they work it though, I suppose. Um, maybe Dan Till will fight Vittori then because... That would be a stand and bang show, that would. Oh, that would yeah. be a stand and bang. Yeah, I think, stylistically, that's a, I think stylistically that's a better fight for Till. Yeah, I do Because, you, know, you know, he will... He will strike it out with him. I think that'll be good. And the thing is, for Till, Till kind of switches his stances up a fair old bit mm. um, as more footwork orientated. I think because Hermanson was coming forward, regardless of whether he was receiving shots or not, um, kind of suited Vittori. Um, yes. But Till's a little bit more, he's a little bit more in and out. And he'll trade in the pocket. So maybe he'll bring a little bit of diversity to problems for Tori. Um I That'd didn't be think that Hamanson was the. When you think that um, Darren Till's on a bit of a tricky run, mm. I didn't think Hamanson was necessarily the best fight for him stylistically. So I was quite interested by the fact that you know they they went for that mm. particular fight rather than uh, you know maybe Vittori, like you say, perfect mm. for for Darren Till and what he would like to do. So yeah. it'd be it's going to be interesting which way they go. Um, but that is us, mate, because we've done our predictions. We've done Cage Warriors predictions with them as well. We had a good chat. Yeah, Thank really you. enjoyable. Yeah, that was really enjoyable. You know, it's, I, I enjoy the ones where it's just me and you as well. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, no man. issue with that. But when when we get new people in and uh, and uh, having father and son, you know, top, you know, UFC prospect and and clearly one of the best coaches that. You know, Great Britain's saying I say Great Britain as a collective thing. You know, from, obviously mm. from Wales. And, um, you know, it's just that was just yeah, fantastic. He's one of the best coaches in, in the UK. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, and, I could go on. And that, 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 that both people are just so true to themselves. You know, they don't put themselves so knowledgeable on a pedestal. Mate, they? Yeah, they're not they're not on a pedestal with their experiences that, that they've been gaining in recent times. They're yeah, you know, Richard Shaw's just still Richard Shaw and. Jack Shaw still Jack Shaw, you know, and, and yeah, they're man. allowed to take time out for our, our little podcast set up. And you know, that's really, you know, really commendable on them, them as characters. Uh, great guys, great coaches, great fighters, all, all, awesome pair. Really, really happy to have had them on. Yeah, the thing which impresses me as well, mate, is um, they're like a couple, you know, I threw all those different fights at them. Dan told them beforehand that we were going to talk about this these fights because we didn't really I hadn't really decided which way it was going to go because I wasn't sure how much time they had um so we went with the way we went and had like a chat so I've thrown the cage warriors fight to them they all you know they knew 
know all the yeah. fighters, know all their strengths, yeah. all their weaknesses, and like you know, and that's no, that's not knocking. You know, we've had a couple of fighters on, and they've known some fighters, and they haven't known others. Because yeah. that's not knocking those people. Because some fighters concentrate just on their division. Some mm. fighters don't watch fighting. They don't sure. like watching MMA. It, it's all kind of personal, personal thing, yeah. isn't it? But like, yeah. so, both of them are so knowledgeable about MMA as a as an art form, as a as a as a discipline that you know they could talk about it in detail, no matter what sure. level yeah. of it is. Um, uh, you know, I could talk with Richard Shaw about MMA and and just life for for hours. I gotta say, yeah, um, he's just kind of one of those guys. And Jack, like, I appreciate Jack so much because like he did unscripted and censored for me back when I think I was like forty episodes in. You know, he didn't have to do that. Um, yeah, it was kind of through. A th- I just tweeted him and he he did it. He found time for it. We did gave it like seventy five minutes of his time. Um, and then he came on, obviously, to our show when we did the live show with him. Sure. Um, and come on again, like you can't fault these people, man. Um, yeah. We got an- another another fighter next week, providing there's no issues, uh, which is going to be a very interesting conversation. I think I might have let it slip a bit earlier in the episode as well, but um, I won't mention it again just in case there is any issues. But it's all booked in, so we should uh, should be having another fighter join us next week. Um, and then we're nearly up to Christmas then, mate. I think we yeah. got... Did I book someone else in as well? Sure, I booked a third person after next week as well. I can't remember, but um, we've been doing hey, some you... good good numbers, mate, recently. You've been doing, so, uh, you've been doing well, yeah. Doing good good guests, good numbers. Um, yeah. And trying to get, trying to work on getting another legend of uh, of the of the game. Um, so we're going to keep working on that. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I know yeah. you'd said about maybe trying to get Linton or someone on as well. So Yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. It might be worth throwing over a message for Libra Media. So, I mean, this this guy's really analytical of the arts and, and I think he's well in on the MMA scene still. So that could be a good one to, to have on. I mean, have being that we were former, former rivals as well, that could be yeah. an interesting little podcast. Indeed, yeah, I had him on um, Unscripted and Uncensored as well before, so he's been yeah, on. That's right. He knows the score and stuff. Um, yeah. I'm still waiting for that video as well that you're going to send me, but um, we won't talk oh, about that now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Danny, as ever, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Uh, thank you to everyone who's watched, downloaded, etc. Spread the word. Danny Batten Fight Show is out every Wednesday. Uh, we have football shows Monday and Friday live with former Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker Andy Campbell as well as top top guests from the football world plus we have mental health in sport every sunday with top top guests we had the uh, ex liverpool and england goalkeeper chris kirkland on the most recent episode and now uh, we've got a new new batch of conspiracy theory shows coming up soon among many other series and shows so subscribe to the youtube channel and search ace podcast nation on uh, your favorite podcast platform until next wednesday we will see you Theo, cheers dan yeah, yeah. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for everyone for listening. And thank you to the Shaw family for coming on as well. It was great to, to experience and share the podcast with them both. Top lights.
Social Podcast Network.